Boom. This is Slashers. <laughs> Did you want to join in, <laughs> no, Mikey? No, I just said boom because I hit the button. But okay, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh, you just hit the button? Well, when you told me to. <laughs> Did you hit it on one? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, let me start over. One, two, three, four. This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Adrian. With me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, my boo-boo, Mikey. And today's a very special episode because this is a Call Your Ghoul Friends episode where your two adorable hosts get to talk about fun stuff, hot guys, and gab. And guys, it's Wednesday, and I forgot to wear pink. <gasps> She's out. <laughs> Just smear your lipstick on your shirt. It'll turn pink. Yeah, Wednesdays we wear blood. We should change that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Lucky for you, it's the time of the month for me. So I'm already... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Mikey, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. <laughs> hello, mutant goons from beyond. And yes, esteemed colleague, co-host, cohort, and goo friend. And ghoul friend. I love that. That is so fun. <laughs> yes. So, oh shit. I meant to pull up the IMDb page of the movie because I can't remember anything for shit. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I put up my notes. If you want to open my notes, you can. They're in the drive. Ooh, sharing notes. I usually don't let the boys look at my notes. Sorry, boys. Notes for the girls only. <laughs> Well, I, I leave them in the drive. I don't think anybody really cares to look at them. Maybe they do, and they just don't tell me. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, no, I invited everybody on today's episode just for shits and giggles. But I figured, you know, it's we've got a lot going on, guys. There's so many different schedule changes for everybody at home, so it's really hard for all of us to sort of get in on the same time. However, Mikey seems to always uh, be down for any time, which is nice because I like to record while it's still daytime here for me because I'm the only person on the East Coast. So, yay. That's an E. I know, right? That's an E. <laughs> I thought that was the shocker. No. <laughs> if anyone did this to you, Aid, I'd feel really sorry for you. But... Oh. I do like our different shows, though, because I mentioned last time I was like, we're like the Slashers Network because, you know, you have your main event with everybody, a big happy family, and then you can go have a smoke break with Doug and Coker, or you can just sit back and gab with your girlfriends and call your goo friend. Yeah, exactly. Like, I really do like this, um, it, it, this idea. It's fun. It gives, gives us some breaks in between for some of us who, you know, may not be able to get in. So yeah. this is a lot of fun. We hope you guys really like these spinoffs. Please let us know your thoughts at slasherspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. But with that being said, before we get started, how have you been, Mikey? How, anything new going on in the, in the horror world for you before we get started? <sighs> I've been good. Nothing really new. Most of my horror adventures have been with you guys and watching new stuff like rapist robots. But I did stay up last night, even though we had a very early gym appointment in the morning. I stayed up to watch Death Park, Doug's movie. It was super cool to see him. And I think that's the I know he's been in a couple of things. I think that was the first time I've seen him in something. So it was good. He, he's a good little actor. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually bought that on Blu-ray. I still have it. Not, um, I have not watched it yet because I don't think it's something that Dan <laughs> is going to enjoy. So I usually just save those things for me. There's boobs. Uh, you know what? He probably, well, we'll see. I'm just going to put it on one day and be like, look at this movie. <laughs> But, you know, as far as that goes, yeah, no, like, I'm glad I'm glad to to see Doug do that, uh, the Death Park stuff. And I'm glad that it was on on Roku. So, you know, you guys, if you want to catch those things out, just make sure you, you get Roku channel if you don't have it already. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, especially with that B-Movie TV. So support uh, Doug and Yahira and Jake on the B-Movie the B TV network because there's a lot of fun goodies on there for everybody. So. Yeah, it is really fun. I really like it. And then the cool thing is so you don't spend an hour trying to decide what you want to watch like I do. It just you don't have a choice. It shows you what it on a, like a scheduled programming. So 
sometimes I need that or else I just sit there for hours trying to decide what to watch and then watch something for 15 minutes and pass out. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. (laughs) Like I never, I never finish anything and, or I never even like find anything. And by the time I'm like, okay, this looks interesting. You know, I get interrupted. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, as far as like uh, anything new going on, I know you'd mentioned before we started the episode about the story portal that my friend Gabby worked on. She's my neighbor. So I posted a story a couple of weeks ago for everyone who follows me on the Instagram and the story portal is a setup that she did that she sort of spearheaded the design for because she used to work for Universal Studios doing design work and stuff with the construction there for Universal. She's she's a great like project manager. She's absolutely amazing. She owns the unit on the opposite end of the hall as me. So usually when I go over there, we talk shit, we, you know, gab and take shots. And then I usually stumble back down the hallway drunk as shit. But (laughs) but she did this this like setup called the story portal. And the story of the scene was that this crazed guy had found a fairy or had seen a fairy and he fell in love with the fairy and the fairy was male, by the way. So, you know, we're all inclusive here. So he fell in love with the fairy. Exactly. (laughs) But the fairy disappears. So he's like, his whole life is obsessed with the search of the fairy. So this turns into like a gruesome macabre type scene because he basically finds all these fairies and like takes them apart and like he's got little fairy body parts and jars and like there's blood everywhere and he's just obsessed with finding this one fairy that he can't find and so she literally had she has the same setup condos i do where basically like you know it's it's one giant room and then there's a pony wall separating the bedroom from the um the rest of the apartment and like basically she had her entire unit completely filled with all of these props, like things that she repurposed. So it's good for the environment too, because a lot of it was repurposed stuff from like that was donated or from different thrift stores. And what came of it was just absolutely amazing. So I posted the pictures of the final product on the mutant goons from beyond page. And this was at the love burn festival in Florida. So if you guys want to check that out, just make sure you follow us at mutant goons from beyond page on Facebook, or I, you know, I should probably just post it on the mutant goons from beyond on Instagram as well. You know, with that being said, you did a great job, Gabby, and all the people that helped out with that project. It came out amazingly. Like I wanted to help her more with it. It's just my schedule was just a little bit crazy, but I did put my input. (laughs) Obviously, you know me, whether you ask for my help or not, or my input, I always give it. So there's that. So I just wanted to sort of plug that really quick before we got into another macabre type setting with Mikey's choice for this episode of Call Your Cool Friends. Mikey, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about 1999's Columbus, or if you're the doctor, Columbus. And I hated the way she said it. Yeah, was it Columbus? I feel like the main chick kept saying Columbus, no? I kept saying Columbus. It sounds better, honestly. Um, it does. I know it comes from like the Greek days. And so they kept like one of them kept saying Columbus and I just kept hearing Columbus. And I was like, let's get on the same page, everybody. Before the movie starts, let's just all make sure we're phonetically correct. But since it didn't happen, well, the- <laughs> Columbus. Columbus. It sounds like some sort of like, like type of like Spanish wolf. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then... And then they sort of like, they give the definition of what it means in the movie, like several times, not just once, which means it means mutilated, correct? Yes. And this is your first time watching it, right? Yes. Okay. Well, because it came out in 1999 and I have never heard of this movie until I went on a semi-inebriated shopping spree on Arrow video and um, Vinegar Syndrome. And I saw it and I was like, eh, why not? So I bought it. I think it was on sale and I watched it and I wasn't like super impressed the first time around. But like towards the end, I was like, what the fuck is happening? And that's when I kind of liked it more is that when it was just like went completely bonkers. Um, and it's just dripping with 90s aesthetic, which is weird because it's like yeah. 99, like it's like the end. But like it looks straight up like right in the middle, like top tier 90s fashion, you know, later, later, like it's... <laughs> I even wrote it down. I was like, later. I get it. What's up, chicken bed? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like all this stuff. So it, and when I was reading other reviews of the movie online, because I couldn't find anything about this movie online. Usually like Jake and Doug and you will find like super fun trivia, but like nothing happened with this movie. So yeah. Um, 
that made me really want to want to like it. And we were talking about Demon Seed a couple episodes back. Uh, Doug mentioned something about I wish the house had like, I think he said like like um, razors or something. And it made me think of this because this house does have like razor like blades that come out. And I was like, oh, we should totally do that because yeah, I'll, I'll I'll mention my final thoughts at the end, but like. It's just such a unique experience of a movie for me. And I, I would hope for you as well, because we are the same age and we were the same age when this was taking place. So like, we know yeah. what that's like. You know, I can imagine, you know, watching a movie from like the seventies or the eighties and my parents feeling the same way when I'm watching, you know, Colobos with, I remember when people used to dress like that. So that's why I chose it. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you chose it. And I think that it fits in. So we weren't sure when we were going to to put this off. But I think it kind of does fit in with this month because of the traps being sort of robotic in a way. Because you really don't know what the hell's going on in this movie. And there's a lot of things going on that you start to kind of pick up because we do have an unreliable sort of narrator. I wouldn't say she's really the narrator, but the main character, we never know if she's imagining something or if something's really happening. I, you really don't know what's going on in the film as far as like, what, what is, is what is reality versus what is imagined. And the fact of the matter is until you get to the end, you really don't know who's causing all of this. So it very well could be that the house has some sort of supernatural element or some sort sort of robotic element because it did have the shutters that came down that entrapped the people and had the blades flying out and had the uh, lasers and all of those things. So while we realize that they are not controlled like a proteus like with demon seed they're still sort of functioning with some sort of tech kind of stuff going on so i think this fits in with february so whenever we do air this episode i whatever it could go either way so i'm, I'm totally fine with it yeah. as far as the time i'm glad that you mentioned that it came out in the 90s because it is very 90s and you know very like when they're talking about vhs and they're mentioning <laughs> all of these things and it's nice it's very nostalgic especially i think people for with people our age because we were not adults in the 90s but we grew up we grew up during the 90s and i think viewing the 90s at that age and being able to see it at that age is a different perspective than if we were adults, mm -hmm. right? Because adults, you know, and even now, like as an adult, all of these things are happening and flying past me, but I'm not paying attention because I have a job and I have all these things I need to get done during the day. And I'm constantly running around like a crazy person. So I'm not really paying attention to the, well, I do see these girls wearing these, Oh God, Her bangs. the girls cannot dress now. <laughs> yeah. The bangs. And let, so even, so the nineties I think is coming back now because living downtown, I see all of the, the 20 somethings running around with the high waisted jeans and the bad bangs and the sneakers. Oh God, the sneakers <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, you know, I, I just can't, I, I, I can't take the way they dress because I feel like in the nineties, it was more, I don't know. We could, I, I'm not going to go on that tangent, but anyways, very nineties. The fact that it comes out in 99, I think is crazy to me that I'd never even heard of this until you guys mentioned it, especially it's on Tubi everyone. So if you want to check it out, this movie's on Tubi. There's not really much of a cast except for, I'd say Lenny Quigley, who is obviously trash from, She's not trash. She plays trash. She plays. She plays trash. Is it Return, in Return of the Living Dead? Yes, and she's also in Night of the Demon. The lesser of the Night of the Living Dead sequels. Yes. Well, she okay, <laughs> but I love that one, and she wears the prosthetic vagina, which I always find hilarious. <laughs> and then she's also in Night of the Demons, and so she does a nice little cameo as Dorothy at the beginning of the film. So if you're a big fan of hers, then I would check this out. The acting is so-so, but I'm wondering, as the movie goes on, I'm wondering if the acting and the script was all intentional, like it was supposed to emulate a B-movie, because it just seems so, f not forced, but it seemed like it was supposed to have that tone throughout, and it carries that same tone throughout. I don't know how you felt about that. The acting was probably the weakest point of the movie to me. Um, and to kind of rewind, so, you know, we have this segment called Call Your Girlfriend, which essentially I really wanted it to be the aesthetic of like when you were in middle school or high school and you invited your friends over for a slumber party, you went to Blockbuster, you picked out a movie, you got a popcorn bucket, you got some Twizzlers, whatever. You go back home and you just 
pop it in. Like, this is a movie that I could see myself doing that with my friends, which that kind of like encapsulates the kind of movies that I wanted to talk about on this segment. So and then it's funny because it would also be in that time period when that would happen. For anybody who hasn't seen it or doesn't plan on watching it, basically, it, it's almost piggybacking off of the popularity of the real world because it opens up with a newspaper article. And newspapers were something that you used to read. I'm just kidding. Um, so it opens up with the newspaper article where someone is looking for people to come confess all your, I don't remember, sins or like hang out, basically. Confess, confess your shit on VHS is what it says. On VHS. <laughs> yeah. And so these people get together, I guess they're artists, I guess it was very loosely like insinuated that you're supposed to be an artist. You live in this house together, very real world esque. So that's what they do. And one of the girls, this one is obviously kooky. <laughs> the acting, it wasn't terrible. Like, cause there's been some where I've been like completely taken out of a movie. I wasn't taken out of the movie for this. This, the acting was on par of like a goosebumps episode, like mm-hmm. an adult goosebumps episode. <laughs> yeah. And you know, as it's funny, you, you talk about the fashion and I know it's kind of hard to get into the details of 90s fashion, but I read something one time that kind of like made sense to me when it's like fashion, when it comes to colors, it alternates between, I don't want to say intense, but very bright, unnatural colors. And then the next decade, it goes to a natural, you know, like the brown, the mauves, the, the earth tones. And so like, like neutral yeah yeah. it's like if you look at the 60s it was you know pretty loud 70s was more neutral 80s was loud 90s is neutral with your plaids and your whatever she's wearing that sweater and then you know like it was just very basic i I had that sweater (laughs) (laughs) i had one too but it was a crop top um so i was never really i was never really warm but uh, (laughs) um but yeah that was just uh, something that i kind of like acknowledge and always thought was interesting oh that's interesting that you do say that because you're absolutely right because now that we're in the 2020s it's reverting back to a more of a neutral style well yeah because in the early 2000s it was very very britney spears type yeah outfits and i admit i dress like that in the early 2000s we all look like little hoochies i hate to say it with flip-flops jeans flip-flops you know crop tops belly button ring and i still have my belly button ring in i mean i don't have the same body i did as back then but you know back then we were broke and didn't eat much so there was that Uh, (laughs) i I saved my money for makeup and cocktails i'm sorry it was college (laughs) i did take some notes based on the fashion and i thought it was funny i was like oh yes the 90s is when you can wear rainbows and not be assumed to be gay Um, Because the girl was wearing like the rainbow straps. I don't know. She could have been gay, actually, but maybe they they kept using the word progressive leaning individuals. So maybe that's what she meant. (laughs) A progressive. Yeah. (laughs) And then she wore jinkos or something that looked like jinkos. And then for some reason, a lot of people wanted to dye their hair red. When it's it's kind of a shame. The girl we're talking about, who's like the epitome of '90s, is not featured in our backgrounds. But she was probably my favorite character of the movie, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With her dimples, she was cute, too. Uh, She was annoying. Like her her lines were annoying. But again, I'm wondering, like you were saying, if this was more of a parody or satire on the reality TV at the time, specifically the real world, because they were all douchey in their own way. Right. Which is which was how the real world was. Yeah. And and then eventually Jersey Shore and all that. (laughs) And we're talking about the girl who plays Tina. Her name is Promise. 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 Promise LaMarco. Which, oh, when I saw promise. her name, I was like, that has to be this girl. Because <laughs> she I know, looks I like someone who too. would be named Promise. <laughs> Getting into the movie, I noticed this. I don't know why I randomly picked this out, but it took 37, so we'll just say 40 minutes, for someone to die. Did you? Yeah, yes. You caught that too? I did. Because that's when the movie started to pick up. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because one thing that I feel that independent horror movies now could kind of take notes on with the 90s is they actually took time to get to know the characters. It wasn't like, here's Mm -hmm. this person, they're going to die now. Like It was like, let's kind of like these people because they're not like the best people, I guess. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just... They're... they're, they're 
college age students, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I would assume around that time, you know, arts, art students or whatever, what have you, they're very young. One of the guys is super horny, which I kind of, I found him adorable. I, I mean, he was cute. The one with the spiky hair? Yeah, with the little uh, Tom, right? With, he had the... Oh yeah, he could get it. Yeah, he was cute. Like, I probably, if I was stuck in the house, I'd probably hook up with yeah. him. Yeah, he's probably like... Girls these days would be like, ew, what's wrong with you? But I'd be like, no, that was like the Ken doll in the 90s. Like, that's that stupid was the hair. Style. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, the Josh Hartnett hair from the faculty. Yeah. So speaking of back in the day, it sounds like the Windows media player is uh, going off at. I know I'm trying <laughs> to silence my phone. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> It's okay. My phone went off on the last episode. I never leave it on, but I had to leave it on because I was waiting for Jake to send the message and I knew I wouldn't hear it if I didn't turn my sound on. Then I forgot to turn it off. And then Everything negative that happens to off. this podcast is because of Jake. I am not surprised. Oh, <laughs> no, it's not Jake. But anyways, no, I, so yeah, he was, I liked him. I thought he was kind of, he was kind of douchey, but he kind of wasn't because he was honest. I loved that he picked on Erica and her stupid movie yeah. and her. <laughs> so before we get into all that, let me, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, the recapitation I found was cameras record the violent deaths of several unsuspecting actors on the terrifying set of an experimental film. Basically, it's they they go in there with the premise of it being a reality sort of TV, right? With on VHS, and but what it ends up turning into is a snuff film. Yeah, for lack of a better you know example. And so we have two girls. No, we have three girls and two guys. So you know, boring. Pretty balanced people. Yeah, I mean, but unless you mention Carl slash. Oh yeah. Carl's real name was well, I forgot his real name, but. I don't remember. Yeah, because Carl, Carl is not like Carl and Erica are 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 like paid playing actors. roles in this. Yeah, they're paid actors, and then the rest of the people are there as real, you know, real quote real people. So I, I really think that I did like the fact, and I'm glad that you mentioned that with that it started to pick up around 37 minutes because there are some good parts. Like if they remake, if they yeah, <laughs> start over. If they were to remake this movie on a larger budget and actually take time with the script and really work through it, I think it could be a really, really great premise because it has a lot of good setup. There's a lot of good exposition exposition in the beginning. I like how it jumps back and forth from present to what happens in the house. The The dialogue is really cheesy, but again, I think it's just a satire or parody. I think it's intentionally cheesy. Which at the first, when you're watching the movie, you're like, what the fuck is this? But then you start getting it, you start seeing that, okay, this is meant to be this way. So that's okay. And it, there are some parts where I, I screamed, <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but like when something happened, like, ah, like, like what the fuck? It's got some really great gore. Yes. It actually won two awards from the Scream Fest in 2002. It won an award for best makeup by Jason Collins and actually best picture for Scream Fest 2002. Now, I did not research Scream Fest of 2002, <laughs> but I assume that's mostly indie films, It was the right? only so. entry. I'm just kidding. No, no. So that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing is that they made an attempt in the beginning. That's why it took 37 minutes. They made an attempt in the beginning to establish a story and to get you to like the characters. Whether it worked or not, you know, it was kind of, eh, because the characters, like, it's an independent film, you know, like, they did what they could. I'm assuming they had a low budget, so... Yeah, the the effort was there. It was noticeable, and I appreciated it. But at that thirty seven mark minute mark, it completely turns. Like it's mm-hmm. really gory, like grotesque gory. Um, I guess like mm-hmm. we should do a trigger warning from here on out. There's a lot of self harm involved that we might be talking about. So fair warning, especially because when we talk about mental health and issues of those nature, issues like that, the nineties was was very insensitive towards those things. Yeah. So I kind of feel like this movie sort of in a way you might feel like it's exploiting uh, mental disabilities of that nature. So just go into it remembering that this is the 90s, people. (laughs) I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying I agree with how they approached the subject matter. But I am saying that we need to just look at this objectively because at the time this was acceptable. Right. So it's the same like if you're watching Hostel or anything else that was very problematic. I even dropped like Dead Man on Campus, for example. Perfect example of how insensitive. And that was in the early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see that one? Yeah. 
Okay, so then you know what I mean. So, and that de- deals with suicide mm-hmm. and all of these things that we sort of, I think nowadays we have a better understanding and more uh, more empathy for those types of, of of problems or issues, I should say. So, yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to give a caveat to that. So, continue. I cut you <laughs> yeah. off. I'm sorry. Now we're gonna get serious. <laughs> Kind of like the movie. Let me me take another sip of wine before that happens. Um, Um. Well, so (laughs) Tina essentially dies first, which I'm a little bummed because I did like her, but I couldn't help but snort laugh because Tina has big jugs. I don't know if that's demeaning to women, but I love the term jugs. I say my chest is jugs. And that's a very 90s phrase, too. I'm on topic here. It is. So she's a very busty woman. And what makes it funny is that... So she's in the kitchen and something triggers a like circular blade to shoot out of the wall. And guess where it shoots? Right in between her boobs, like slitting her shirt here just to where you can ever so gently see the curvature of her breasts between it. And I was like, oh, my God, a man did that. But I thought it was really funny. And then, of course, she falls down. Another saw comes out over her stomach. And that's when you're like, "Okay, that's gross because her intestines start coming out and she's still alive. But that's when you're like, "Okay, whoever did the gore for this obviously isn't going to fuck around now. No, no. Yeah, I really liked the tearing of the skin. The it, It's all practical effects. So, and especially around that time, the 90s, and I always use this for example, like, you know, around the times of Mortal Kombat and stuff where the CGI was really yeah. shitty, but the, everybody used it, right? Or the Matrix or even the Matrix, <laughs> right? So for them to use the practical effects that they did with everything, I mean, pretty much everything. I mean, it was pretty like gruesome, like some of it's a little hokey. There were some parts where you could tell, you know, especially when they cut out and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but honestly, that first scene, once that happened, it really sucked me in because I was watching the whole movie and putting laundry away. And I feel like the beginning was also to sort of pigeonhole the cameo from Lene Quigley because that's when her character appears. Do we really need that scene? I don't know, because I think that just with Tina picking her up, Kira up and calling it the wacky shack. (laughs) (laughs) She's at like, is it like a halfway house? I don't know what the term is. Yeah, no, she was at a she was at a a home for people who are, you know, in therapy yeah. and that sort of thing. So, you know what I mean? Like she was in, the, for lack of a better term, what we would say, the nut house, I assume. <laughs> she, Right. And then she calls it. She's like, oh, I've never picked anybody up from the wacky yeah. shack. <laughs> oh, Tina. I'm like, did she really just said Tina? <laughs> Tina. She's just being Tina. So. I know, Miss Promise LaMarco in her <laughs> debut, and I think her last feature film. <laughs> so, bless her heart. I really did like her because she was funny. She was obnoxious. Yeah. She was so cute. I loved her little dimples and her purple lipstick. Like, everything was very 90s about her, like you said. And so, that's why I think that this movie works so well now because it's, it's, it's very indicative of its time. It's a time capsule. It really is. And because even if you watch, like, for example, The Faculty came out in 98, which was a year before this. The Faculty doesn't really have a lot to really pinpoint the time with the exception of the fact that they don't use cell phones. And when the dad's pulling his Internet out, he pulls out the the dial up thing. (laughs) This might this is me just guessing. But maybe what happened is they filmed it in mid 90s and didn't get it distributed till 99. Because well, see, I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I couldn't either. But like when you mentioned that the faculty was ninety eight, like the faculty looks like futuristic compared to this one. So I don't know. Well, it obviously had a bigger. It, the faculty had a bigger budget. It had a, a more prominent cast. I mean, yeah. you know, it was it was throwing Usher around just to get the urban cast in or the urban audience. Right. I mean, that's exactly, that's what they did because they had Usher in so many promotions, but Usher plays such a very small part in that film, which is a shame because I really do like Usher's character in that movie. So yeah, he, um, you know, I remember when they were all doing, was it the Levi, one of the jeans company, Kept doing advertisements for the faculty with all the cast. Oh, Tommy Hilfiger. Is that who it was? I think it was Tommy Hilfiger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, of course they have to, they had Usher front row and center. Mm-hmm. So they made it seem like Usher was the main character, like one of the group. Yeah. And he's really not. And so you could see at the end of the 90s. He was there, Linnea Quigley. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You see at the end of the night is them trying to be a little bit more inclusive and not doing too great of a job at it. Whereas now I think that it's, you know, you see more people that look more like us than, you know, like everybody, which in the night, but even, even with this film, you know, see, and this is, this is where I have, you know, my biases, right. Because I'm so used to seeing these types of casts that I didn't notice that there's really, except for Carl, who I think is black. I, think so. I don't know. I can't tell or Hispanic. Can't yeah. tell. Well, you know, a side, a side note, I know you've noticed cause you've liked some of my posts. I've been posting for the month of February, I'll post a black actor who's portrayed like a character that I've enjoyed in a horror film just for like, you know, recognition. And it's getting hard. Like, except them, you know, the big names like Lupita, because I'm trying not to do like Lupita Neon because everyone acknowledges her, you know, or like Jordan Peele, like everyone acknowledges them. So I'm trying to get like lesser known films and highlight actors and actresses that are, you know, more indie um and it's getting hard to find you know some solid not even solid like anybody (laughs) yeah i'm trying to remember and i love this actor and i can't think of him off the top of my head but let me just google him right now i have to not talk while i'm typing because it's my mic is picking up which is interesting because he's not black i'm the the actor i'm talking about he's also in friday the 13th part five he's in a bunch of other things as well but He's actually Puerto Rican, and because his skin is so dark, he was constantly cast as a black actor or a black character. Is he the enchiladas which is interesting. Guy? Yeah, the enchiladas <laughs> yeah. guy. Why can I? I'm trying to remember his name because I absolutely adore him. I think he's so great. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's that often that often happens with these things, right? Like you see a lot. Okay, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. and he's clearly Hispanic, but you know he's pl- portraying a black actor, and so. You know, I can see why that would be very difficult to f- to find something, you know, and you know, who's who I noticed is progressive with their casting or with, you know, their films was uh, Wes Craven. And I mm-hmm. want to use people under the stairs as a good example of that, because he tries to depict, you know, social issues going on with all of his films. Right. Especially in the 70s with films like. The Hills Have Eyes and The Last House on the Left, you know, commentary on the war and all of that versus, you know, in the 90s, he starts to look at, you know, urban culture. And I kind of start to see that this is where you really can notice that horror is very, I don't want to say political, but it does have a lot of commentary associated with it. And I think that it's the easiest genre to sort of pepper in your um you know commentary because you're going to see a horror movie so you're not really if you're not looking for these things you're not going to notice Mm -hmm. and so i think people who are sort of ignorant are just not you know wise to that sort of thing they're not going to notice right and then people who are they're like oh this is such a great you know like take on something and it's a fucking horror movie so i don't think people give horror enough credit and so for looking at this film, there's, is there, I, I don't know if they. I think it was just, I, I don't know. I think it was writing off the popularity of the real world and they were just trying to make an entertaining movie. Not that I don't yeah, think that yeah. there's anything smart behind it because I think it, it's so bizarre. It's a unique film. It really is. But like at the end of the day, it mm-hmm. doesn't explain anything. So that's why I don't think there's a motivation for any like lesson or commentary because we don't know what the fuck we just saw. <laughs> yeah. And well, I looked at it more as so if you're, if you're going through the movie, basically the one of the main characters are quote the final girl. We don't really know what's going on with her because the entire movie she's hallucinating and she's saying things that aren't there. So we don't know if somebody's really dying. We don't know if she's behind it. And at one point, I really started to think that she was responsible for these things. And by the end, she's sort of repeating the same ad that we hear at the beginning. Right. However, you see the hand, which I thought was really creepy. And I thought it was a nice touch. You see the hand playing with her hair. So, yeah. Yeah. Like me. So that's never really explained. And so I kind of like that in a way because we can sort of interpret it the way that we want to i i I like some of the images like the faceless people when she's hallucinating you know the people like basically throwing her under the bus because she draws these horrific things i mean she's a weird ass character (laughs) like i know 
show your drawings. But she's like, but what? she's like, if you didn't want us to see it, why did you bring your sketchbook down? She had to like, finish what she, she was working sketchbook. on real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. She, uh, and then I looked at yeah, like, so. they show the drawings and I'm like, OK, if you remade this movie, you'd have to make those drawings way worse because literally it's just like some. Oh, my God. And then when she drew Tina, I was like, it's like yeah. Tina Frankenstein. She's like, oh, my God, I love this. And I'm like. Well, I don't even think, yeah, I think they're just responding and then they like threw the drawings in later and cut them in, right? Because you don't really see, you know, and so you could tell what they were trying to do. And so the budget, I found the budget here. The budget for this film is 500 grand. I couldn't find what it grossed, if it grossed anything. It generally got negative, negative uh, reviews from it, which I'm not surprised because if you think of uh, 99, I looked up in September alone, we had Stigmata. Stir of Echoes, and I'm just looking at horror movies from 99. <clears throat> Stigmata, Stir of Echoes, Tales from the Crypt, Urban Menace with Snoop Dogg, Fat Joe, and Ice T. I mean, <laughs> How could they if I had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but then even the rest of the year, if you look at the rest of the year, and we for some reason, we always get movies from 99. And I feel like the horror community likes to poo-poo or shit on the 90s when it comes to horror, but the 90s has a slew of like gems mm-hmm. that if you're not if, if you haven't seen any of the ones I'm about to list here, which I'm sure as shit, I hope you have seen the Blair Witch Project, right? You better have fucking seen that movie. But if you, and you can call yourself a horror fan, like, because you don't have to like any of these movies. But I think that if you are a fan of horror, that you should sort of expand your horizons, especially with some of the popular films or the quote as the metadata whores that we are, because <laughs> I just think that you need to have some sort of perspective, right? You can't just say that you're, you love horror and have not seen, you know, certain things or have not even at least attempted to see them. Right. So like, you know, you can hate a two, four films, you can hate Ari Aster, you can hate all of that shit. Right. But you should at least have seen them once so that you can make a sound opinion and not just get like annoyed by the fact that, Oh, it's a slow burn, blah, blah, blah. But the rest of that year, um, we have the haunting, which is the remake. It's that movie sucked, but I did like the fact that they took off Owen Wilson's head, <laughs> idle hands, <laughs> poor Owen Wilson, idle hands, which we did Idle Hands a couple of months ago, people. Devin Sawa, hello. Lake Placid, which Mikey and I did. Boop, boop. Sleepy Hollow, Blair Witch Project, Audition, House on Haunted Hill, which I think is a fantastic fucking remake. And we were just talking about Ali Larder earlier, so hint, hint of what's to come. Ravenous, Candyman 3. House on Haunted Hill is my favorite remake, just saying. Oh my God, it's such a good, it's I mean. It's terrifying. We'll yeah, talk we'll, about that we'll, on a different we'll episode there, because but... we can't. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, virus. My favorite is the rage carry Two. We all fucking know that. I can never stop talking about that movie. The mummy came out the sixth sense, the astronaut's wife, Wishmaster Two, deep blue sea people. Hello. Bats retro puppet master. So we have a lot of good titles the rest of the year as well. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that this one slipped through the cracks. Well, the nineties kind of, cause I highly doubt this went to the theater. And the 90s had, like, a very, like, the 90s were great for us that browsed the blockbuster aisles and got, like, every Tuesday the new releases came out and you'd be like, oh. And that's when I started, because, you know, this was before the internet. Um, well, yes. Before I was allowed to use the internet, <laughs> like, recreationally. Well, wait, okay. <laughs> because... We had AOL and dial-up, yeah. and I used to spend many a time in the chat room. Right, and so, but, like, when I was, like, because, okay, in 90... Nine, I was like 11 so you know like I wasn't yeah. allowed to use the computer like you know I know kids these days like Olivia she's five she uses not a computer but like she has an iPad she's on YouTube and stuff looking at you know kid videos but when I was 11 I wasn't allowed to be on the internet and I don't even think instant message like AOL came out until I was in middle school um so like this was before then so I didn't know like I couldn't go to a website and find like these horror movies coming out like I started putting together oh like Tempe video or like um uh full moon pictures and you start realizing oh these are the the distributions to look out for because you enjoy these movies now it's like you know everyone knows full moon pictures yeah, but now we have we have Blumhouse. We yeah. have the, oh, yeah. With the skeleton. Key. <clears throat> yeah. But that you that know. goes back to my point is the 90s film struggled because like the majority of people were like, I'm not watching anything that's straight to DVD. But like now we don't have mm. that. Now everything's just streaming. So you don't know if maybe like 
it had a limited release or it would be considered straight to DVD. And I think that's why a lot of people are being exposed to films that they usually wouldn't have seen if it was just like in a blockbuster shelf. That's just my theory. Well, yeah, to your point, because if growing up in a time where we used to rent VHS and eventually DVD and I even worked at a video store in college, like I was like 19 before oh, the they adult started video store. like <laughs> I worked at the movie gallery for like a couple of months before they went bankrupt. And then because that because that was around the time that, you know, everything was the, all the blockbusters were disappearing and, and all of that. And then eventually when red boxes started popping up, it's like, why would you go to the to the movie store? Right. So to your point, like it was so nice to go down. And even when I was working at the video store, I would always go down the horror aisle and just look at the boxes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you would pick something based on the cover art. And I think that was that was the way we saw a lot of movies, like especially with, you know, for example, um, Dead Alive had one of my favorite movie covers, you know, where she's pulling her mouth open and the skulls coming out and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's disgusting, yeah. but it's so cool. It's so terrifying. And even like before I was allowed to even rent scary movies, I would just go down to the horror aisle as the little kid and just look at the, the, the boxes and pick out from there, you know, what was going on and. In fact, you know, my friend and I, during the pandemic, we were giving each other ideas back and forth. We were writing short stories and he would give me like we would say, OK, setting time, blah, blah, blah. And Matt, Matt, Matt Walters, I'm calling you out. We need to get this published. Hi, but Matt. He gave me a hey, Matt. Um, you would think he was so cute, too, Mikey. You'd love him. Probably. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he looks like uh, Hugh Grant. Huh? We always say that like, yeah, but I, whatever. It doesn't matter. Poor Matt is going to be so embarrassed when he hears this anyways. Um, so he, uh, he gave me the topic of like, I think 98 at a video store. And I was like, okay, so I basically took, went back and, you know, went back in time and was, you know, imagining like, what would we do as kids? We would get on our bikes or our parents would drop us off at the video store to leave us the fuck alone and go grocery shopping. And we just be there for however long and we pick something out and you'd hope to God that the movie was behind the box, right? <laughs> if the movie wasn't behind the box, like, no. I know, we have to wait a whole nother week. <laughs> Exactly. Um, You know, and it's just I don't like I think that streaming I think that the beautiful thing about streaming is that it sort of gives us that feeling back in a way because now we're just going through Tubi looking at the covers. Yeah, specifically Tubi brings back that feeling because Tubi has all these movies like, you know, that Netflix and other streaming services don't have like we should Tubi doesn't pay us. But if they listened, I'm sure they would consider it. Because we're always Team Tubi. <laughs> I know. Tubi needs to be fanning their nuts right now, what we're saying, because, like, literally, we're just... Um... Oh, so I have a question I want to ask you, because this came up in a YouTube video I was watching about this movie. And I, like, if I was a little bit more convinced, it would completely turn this movie around for me. So, obviously, we know... Um, what was her name? This one. Uh Kira, Kira, the, the nutcase, right. the wacky shack yeah. lady. So Kira's seeing visions. <laughs> um, she ends up going to the hospital. Uh, everyone dies except for her. Uh, and then she there's like a manifestation, I'm assuming, of something that's in her or like a voice that's in her that tries to kill her at the end. Um, he's really creepy looking, but she ends up killing him. So then she goes home. The way I took it is she's been the mastermind the whole time, whether it's her or whatever's living inside of her. Um, This house that she had, she had to have owned it to rig it up with the traps. Um, If you look at the house she goes to, it's large and luxurious. So she has money somewhere, but it doesn't tell you what she does exactly. Um, So it like doesn't surprise me that she would have multiple houses. The very end, you hear someone talking to her. I think it's the first time you actually hear this voice outside of like, the TV turning on and all that stuff. So there's something that's mm-hmm. talking to her and it's like, touch me, touch me. So when she hears that, she goes to the room and um, she picks up a razor. And the way I took it was trigger warning. She starts slicing her face, which the manifestation of whatever was inside of her was doing in the house, cutting up her face. So she starts cutting her face up more. So at first I was like, okay, she's hearing these voices to cut herself 
But the person mentioned on YouTube that they believe it was actually the razor talking to her. That's why it was saying touch me. So this whole time she's been being (laughs) guided by a razor because, you know, she cuts herself all through the movie. We see her scars on her wrists. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not fully convinced, but if I could believe that this whole movie is about a haunted razor, I would fucking love this movie. Because that's scary. <laughs> to me, that is horrifying. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I didn't think of it like that, but now that you say that, because it's always a razor, mm-hmm. right? It's never anything else. It's always a razor, even at the end. Uh, and I took it as that she imagined the, the figure. Yeah. The figure is her. And she's waiting to peel off the rest of her skin. So it's so disfigured. But there's also something very like erotic about it as well. The way it's saying touch me. It's very sexual. Like, I don't know if you pick that up. Yeah, it was almost like a satisfaction guaranteed type voice. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was interesting. And there's just a lot of like good. There's a lot of good elements to this that I really feel that if they just remade this with with a better budget, better cast better script the all the ideas are there right right and i and you know make it rated r and keep it oh, with yeah. practical effects honestly this would be such a good film to even i don't and I, you know we could keep it in the 90s or we could even set it in a modern day i actually i would love to see this in the early 2000s because that would be like the same sort of premise but people would still be douchey right because i feel like people are kind of mean mm-hmm. in late 90s early 2000s people are very mean to each other even in the 80s yeah. Because whenever you see the bullies, like the way they're attacking each other, and I hate to say this, but even with that stupid fucking movie, what was it? That kind of sort of touches on that is Channing Tatum, isn't it? 21 Jump Street. Oh, yeah. Remember Channing? He goes back to high school and he's the bully, but the kids are like, they're all against it, right? Whereas back in the day, that was acceptable and it was cool to be the bully and it was cool to be the asshole, right? So that's how people behaved. And so I... That's how people behaved. So I just think that I think setting it back in that time sort of makes it more severe. And that, you know, that respect, in my personal opinion. And, you know, the one girl, Erica, the girl behind you, she like the whole movie. I'm like, where did I know her from? Where did I know her from? And I looked her up and she's really not anything. Something about Minority Report, but I can't even remember who she's in it. So there's really no recognizable people here. The movie was directed by Daniel Leadowich and David Dot Todd Ockfirk. Ockfirk. Yeah. I don't even know he how to say his a, last name. A cameo. Did you know? Yeah, he's I saw the that. butt. <laughs> yeah, it's like yes, my film debut. I was flashing yeah. somebody. Yay! Well, or mooning someone. I can say. we cast this this <laughs> remake? Yeah, we should cast the remake. Let's do that. Okay, because that'll be our, our last thing we touch I on. I think Kira should be Jenna Ortega. Jenny Ortega. Okay. I could see yeah. that. That'd be fun. That'd and then I'm fun. kind of struggling because they have to all be on the same age. <laughs> so, cause I was going to say, um, I was going to say Eric, not Erica, maybe Erica. Well, Erica could be Hillary Duff in like her twenties. Hmm. Maybe. I think like Erica would be fun if it was, what's her name from a Saturday night live. What the hell's her name? The tall lanky one. Oh, um, oh, what is her name? The blonde one. Cast of, yeah, um, cast of SNL. And of course, I can't find her. Oh, Heidi Gardner. Okay. Either Heidi Gardner or Chloe Feynman would be fun as Erica because I feel like they could be, because Erica has a very like dramatic, but again, I think it's all intentional. Yeah. And, and I love the part where they say, you know, I think she's telling the truth because she's not that great an actress, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I was going, before I said Jenny, Jenna Ortega, I was going to say Selena Gomez because it has to be someone that looks innocent. That can be able to come off as psycho later. I could I could see that too. I like that. Yeah. I really like that. And then for Tina, we'd have to pick a silly I mean, person. She, she, or needs, someone who could be. she needs boobs for the infamous shirt cutting scene. Um, that's true. I know. Who's got big boobies? Oh, oh my God. What's her name? I love her so much. Um, I just started watching a show that she's in from Two Broke Girls, the one with the dark hair. Oh, Cat Dennings. Dennings. It should be Cat Dennings. Cat Dennings. Oh my God. Yeah, that would be perfect. And the then boys. I, you know, I wonder, I want to know which one of my fucking neighbors is outside my door fucking with me right now. Cause 
That's why she's barking. Like, get the fuck out of my hallway. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. And then for the guys, it'd have to be like some douchey guys. Like, who could we well, put? The, who could we? There's like the, the, sm- the shorter one's like a nerd, like a handsome nerd. Um, almost like a, yes. what's his name? Uh, from, he was in Scream 4. Oh, like Penn Badgley. Penn Badgley would be good. Yeah. Yes, Penn Badgley. And then who, who's the guy? So the taller one could be the guy from the kissing booth, that fine ass guy. What's Euphoria. his name? Jacob. Jacob. Yes, Jacob Velorde. Oh my God. That boy is so cute. I just love he how is tall really he tall. is. Like I could climb him. <laughs> I could climb him like a tree. Oh he, my God. He's too old now, but do you know who I really like as a douchey actor? Um, do you watch uh, you? Yes. Well, you know, I oh, haven't okay. seen it yet. Uh, Fight of the 13th remake. I, I know. So there's that blonde yes. guy. He's in a, like quite a bit of scary movies. Oh he yeah, he's pretty douchey. douchey. Yeah, he's always the douchey guy. What is his name? Really nice a person. If you're listening, let us know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We'd love to interview yeah, you, learn. and you can you can tell the I know, and you can tell the world that you're not a douche, and me or and you can tell can us that you, you. Are, just Never do that. Oh. Oh, yes, Travis Van Winkle. And he's also in, he's also in, what was it, the other one that he was he's in? He was in Asylum um, that I really like. Yeah, he's in Asylum, but I thought he, wasn't he the, the douchey kid that was in, um, what's the one where, with the, the wolf? Richard. No. Oh. Ginger Snaps. The sister's Bridget. Isn't, isn't he in Ginger Snaps or is that a different kid? I don't know. That's a different douchey guy. Remember. Just kidding. Oh, he was also in the OC. So he probably played a douche on the probably, OC but as hey, well. Hey, at least he makes a lot of money doing it. <laughs> I love his character in you, the whatever season was the last one. So I'm excited for you to watch it. Travis Van Winkle. Yeah, no, I, I well, I'm just waiting to watch it because I know it's going to bother me. There's something about like very creep, like when men are like predators, that just kind of oh, gets to me and then I get mad. So it's like I, I have to. But. It's super, it's so good. I'm sure. But yeah, so like, okay, and then who else? Okay, so that's it. So we've got our cast. Yeah, I think it'd be a pretty good cast. And honestly, with those, they they could all act, they could still make it a, they could still make it a parody, but even now, and they would make it like a parody of like, what what the fuck is on now? Like Big Brother. Oh yeah, because Coker and Doug kept saying it, uh, Colobos was like a Big Brother meets Saw. Yeah, Big Brother and even like the Bachelor type bullshit, right? Like all these stupid. Or, Let me tell or you why it fits into the February <laughs> because we didn't specify that the robots had to be sentient. It was obviously a mechanical building that killed people, and then a haunted razor which is made of iron. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I just. I think this works for this month or it could work at any time. And I'm really glad I watched it because like I, I was watching the beginning of the movie and um, I'm thinking, Oh God, here we <laughs> I go. Know, I did the same thing. I was and, like, what did I just make Adrian watch? And then I was like, oh, okay, now I remember why I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, no. And then it, when it picks mm-hmm. up, it picks up. Like it's honestly, it's worth, it's worth the viewing because once it picks up, like you're, you're totally invested at this point. I mean, they do some stupid things, but at the, at the end of the day, like, I love the fact that, that the house itself is a really good setting to have this in that they're trapped. They don't know where the, to walk because if they walk into mm-hmm. a laser, this, you know, spike will shoot out and kill them. And, and I, you know, the way that Gary dies. Oh yeah. That was so gross. good. It's so good. And they're bashing Ugh. his head on the thing. And like, then there's like the acid melting his face. There's blood everywhere. I mean, blood is just all there. Like if you look behind me and you look at the two characters and that's just from another dead body yeah. falling on them. Right. Yeah, I was eating chicken soup while I ate, watched this movie. And I was like, that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I always end up eating something and I'm watching a horror movie and I was watching that terrible movie. It was really bad. Bite. I haven't seen that one. Have you seen it? And I was eating my leftover Chinese food and when she started, like her fingernails started peeling off, I'm like, Oh, is that the one where she gets bit by a bug (laughs) and she starts turning into a bug? Yeah. Yeah. That was real easy. Uh, it was really, it was really, it was a pretty nasty movie. I mean, the movie itself was bad, but it was, it was the gore, the effects were good. Yeah. I'll give it that. But with it, same with this one. I mean, I don't think that the movie is, is that, is it all bad? And I do, 
I wish that they had done more with the fact that I felt like more like identity. Oh, and then oh, I have yeah. the hand, like identity. It felt like identity because, you know, I, at one point I thought, is she making all of these people up in her head? Did any of mm-hmm. this even happen? Did this, are all these characters like it's just a different piece of her? And then, you know, so you don't know. Your, your questions are never answered. It would kind of be nice to have more of a final thought. So again, a remake, whoever is listening. Yeah. The two of us. Mike Flanagan, I know <laughs> you're out there listening. I'm ready. I know, Mike, Mike Flanagan yeah, would be I'll so be good Tom. for this. You can give me my monologue with the slow pan. I'll kill it. <laughs> I love that idea. Oh, my God. We should yeah. just totally pitch that. But So we're coming up to the hour, Mikey. Um, any final thoughts about this film before we, we say goodbye to our lovely listeners? The only way to wrap it up perfectly is to describe it the way Wikipedia described it at the end, which was, we criticize the acting. It is a worthwhile viewing experience with replay value. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I read that too. And I thought that was good because honestly, I would watch it again. I mean, it, this is a good popcorn movie. This is a good one to sit around at a party, put it on because it's funny. Like it, it it's very self-aware. It's very... Um, I love how because Erica's character is she plays a serial killer trying to be progressive, right? Which is basically like a ripoff of Friday the 13th. They even say that to her. But it's such a good. Yeah, I don't know. I just liked it. Like, I thought it was really good. I like that they all sat around and watched it. And, you know, it was just becoming I think. Yeah, I I liked it. I love that when she's talking about her movie that she's in, she does like a foreshadowing of a woman killer. Yeah. And so I. Again, that's why I think that a lot of the the decisions for the film were, were very intentional, as cheesy as they were. And so, if you if you're looking at it at face value, the gore it's, the gore alone is is worth the watch. And so, if if you like to watch nasty things, especially when they're wrapping the guy up in the cellophane, mm. oh my god, that made me cringe. Very suffocating. Because I'm like, he's still alive and he's screaming, and I just I started like, no, no, yeah. no, like. You know, and so it's, it, you know, and you care enough about the character. I mean, you don't, you don't necessarily need to like them, but you do get to know them. And I like that aspect of it, because I think that once you get to know a character, it sort of makes the stakes a lot higher, especially with the fact when they do kill Tina, she doesn't die right away. She, yeah. She's dying and they don't know what the fuck to do. And as ridiculous as that scene is where they're like, oh, help her. And she's like, <laughs> just kind of patting down her her severed yeah. belly or whatever what like none of us are doctors like if we were all put in that situation if the if the if the five of us were there's five of us right the five of us were at a house yeah yeah there's four four guys and a girl okay i can do math i promise if the five of us were in a house like we wouldn't know what the fuck to do like oh my god jake's intestines are on the floor like do i put him back doug what put do him i in do the freezer in like, case we need to eat him later i mean <laughs> It would be like a really like like stupid thing. Like we were like, what the fuck do yeah. we do? Like we've seen enough of these movies. Nobody here is a doctor. I mean, it's just and plus they're all young and they're very selfish. So to see all of that, I think that it you know it works. It works well. It makes sense. It where it doesn't make sense of like why things are happening, but it is what it is. It, it tried to be a little artsy, I guess. Yeah, it was just fun. That. Just enjoy it. it. Have a good time with it. It's creepy. It's nasty. I would I would watch it again and again. It's on Tubi or Roku channel. You can watch it. It's actually on Amazon Prime if you have um, a premium subscription. So if you have that, if you're fancy, then go for that. So Mikey, anything you'd like to plug before we leave today? Um, no, you can add me on Instagram if you want to. It's horror and a half show. Okay, and also Mikey forgot to wear it, but he got a slashers podcast t-shirt one of jake's designs and if you could see it um, i would tell you to go to slasherspod.rubbable.com so mikey you're gonna have to model it for us at some point so i can post it on instagram so everybody can see how amazing you look in it i'll wear it next time you just reminded me i have to do laundry because it's in the dirty laundry oh (laughs) yes do your laundry and then we can see it exactly and yeah we have so many designs you know uh all over the place. I mean, you can get stickers, hats, backpacks, there's accessories, there's mugs. I, I think the, the, 
the travel mugs, like for your coffee and stuff like that, the thermoses are really cute guys. So, you know, if you don't want to wear anything, but you just want to have something fun to put your coffee in or your tea in the morning, then go ahead and pick up one of those things. Or if you would like to support us in other ways, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash slashers pod. We have tiers from $1 to $10. If you'd like to give us support, you can donate once or you can donate monthly. It's however you want to do. You could also do, uh, donate on the anchor, which is what I do, which is why I'm not on the Patreon, but I run the Patreon with Jake, so I'm there in spirit. <laughs> so if you're messaging Jake sweet nothings on those pages, just remember that I also have access to those pages. So I see them. Oops. <laughs> Oops. I'm just kidding. I don't think anybody's messaging Jake sweet nothings, but if they did, just mm-hmm. remember I'm on there too. And then, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, if you want to, Follow us. We're on Instagram at Slashers Pod or on Facebook at Slashers Podcast. Follow us on the Mutant Goons from Beyond page on both Instagram and Facebook. So thank you guys so much for listening to our February month. We have a lot of fun shit coming up for you, and we're definitely going to be announcing it in all these different places. So please make sure that, you know, if you want to be a part of that, you can join our Discord, or if you're a Patreon member, you can join our personal discord we can see you know talk with us and talk shit with us if you want you can ask us questions you can suggest things if you have any ideas so we'd love to hear from you again um i am aid and on behalf of mikey and myself this is slasher's podcast saying goodbye and oh call your ghoul friends saying goodbye and <laughs> and good die